0: Welcome to the Corporate Digital Marketing Podcast, where we examine the latest digital strategies, tactics, case studies, and technologies to help you drive your brand and your career to new heights. You'll hear from a range of marketers and industry experts to help you, the corporate marketer, to take advantage of your many digital opportunities. Here's your host, digital marketing expert, published author, and regular media presenter,
1: Peter Applebaum. Hello and welcome to episode 10. Yes, believe it or not, we're in double digits. How about that? Episode 10 of the Corporate Digital Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Applebaum. And today we have a senior executive from a very different industry to any industry, any other type of industry that we've spoken to today, and that's publishing. Publishing. Publishing, as you know, has gone through a massive upheaval over the last 10 years or so, 10 to 15 years, probably up there with uh, with the music industry as to how digital has impacted on it dramatically. And the gentleman we're going to speak to, uh, when we first started talking about this, he said, I'm not really sure you're going to want to have me on your show, Peter, because I'm a little cynical about all this digital stuff. And I said, Jim, perfect, you're just the person we want to speak to because we're not talking about all things wonderful and positive and roses and, and rainbows and unicorns on this show. It's really about what is practical and what is what works in the real world. And obviously, not everything is going to be positive. And not everyone is going to have this incredibly, it's digital is the best thing since sliced bread type of opinion. So we welcome all types of angles and opinions and perspectives on this show. And I think it's very important for you as the listener to understand that uh, this is the reality. And you're not going to have necessarily everyone who's going to be completely on board within your organization. So hearing from Jim, I think you'll agree, is something that's very worthwhile. So we'll take you to the interview another episode of the corporate digital marketing podcast welcome and yet again we have a fascinating guest who when we first started talking said peter why the hell do you want to speak to me and i think that's exactly the reason why we (laughs) want to speak to jim i'd like to welcome jim Demetrio, who's the group sales and marketing director for alan and unwin book publishers jim welcome to the to the podcast
0: thanks peter and uh, thanks for having me pleasure
1: now, I've known Jim for quite some time. We actually went to university oh, A long time ago. A long, a long time, ago, time ago, which is why both of us have... we call it, I call us silver eagles, Jim. <laughs> we both soar and we're silver. Silver foxes. Baby. Silver foxes. Fine. Yeah, well, maybe a you're a fox. I prefer to call myself an eagle. <laughs> but anyway, just to... Um, we want to better understand what... Uh, What has influenced you and what your, briefly, what your background is that's led you to the position you're in now? Like, for example, how long have you been in book publishing?
0: I've been in publishing for about 20 years in various sort of uh, roles, marketing, sales roles. Uh, I was chief operating officer for HarperCollins for for a few years. So in those sort of fields, so sales and marketing across, you know, across those years. Before that, I was working in food manufacturing. So I worked for for Mars Corporation in um, in food manufacturing sales, again, sales and marketing roles for Mars, and that was a long time ago. So I've worked in FMCG and recently, so the last 20 years, in publishing.
1: So you must have seen some incredible changes in that 20 years.
0: Lots of changes. <laughs> Lots of changes. You know, the whole, the whole fragmentation of, of the media landscape um, is probably the most... The most dramatic change that's happened, you know, the old days. You know, it used to be a lot easier in the old days, as I say, um, when you know all you're worried about was above the line marketing, below the line marketing, um, and that was about it. And you could then, you know, you could you could spend your media dollars either above or below the line, and you sort of knew what you would expect from those spends, and then you could sort of monitor those that that sort of spend in a certain way, and you could, you know, you could set certain goals, and you could judge yourself against those goals. The landscape changed you know, 15 years ago, primarily for us, in publishing in particular, and the digital landscape changed all of that and the fragmentation of the media has seen a whole new range of ways people go about promoting their products, um, and that's what we have to face today, and that's the biggest challenge for our one of the biggest challenges that we, we face today as marketers is that fragmentation of the media
1: so one of the questions i'm going to ask you as i ask every guest is where do you think uh, we'll be in five years time and we'll we'll five keep keep the listeners Whoa. in suspense five years time. for that jim <laughs> but obviously if you were to to join this industry today um and you're let's project that 20 years into the future and i know that's that's like eons away in the publishing industry, given the changes that you've just seen over the last 20 years, I mean, where do you see someone will be sitting in 15, 20 years, even five years' time if they are in publishing?
0: From a marketing, in a marketing sense? Hol- or Marketing
1: and holistically.
0: Ooh, I think uh, yeah, it's interesting. Mark, uh, the publishing industry has been incredibly um, robust um, and has sort of sustained itself over the last few years. given the, Given the amount of of disruption, there's been um, publishing stayed fairly fairly stable. Um, there was a big correction back in the end of uh, two thousand and eight, two thousand nine, um, with the GFC. That sort of changed things around a bit, but you know, so it's been yeah, been fairly, um, as I said, robust, and it's been fairly stable. So I think in twenty years' time, I think publishing will still be here as a business. People will still want to read. Um, read books and read long form, so I don't think that'll change. Um, what will change is the way we promote books. Uh, definitely, that, that's changed in the last five years, and it'll change again in the next five years. And in 20 years' time, who knows how that happens? Um, but I still think there'll be an industry. There'll, you know, it's been around. Books have been around for hundreds of years, um, so I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. But the way we promote it, the way we publish the books, will change. Um, but I still think there's a future there for for the written word and, and particularly in print as well. Um, the advent of e-books didn't kill the industry um, as as was feared back in the, back 10 years ago. So it's still, you know, st- e-books is just another format that we use in publishing. So I think uh, holistically the business will still be around. 20 years time, I think publishers, there'll still all be publishers. There'll be, you know, there'll be more public, you know, there'll be probably fewer publishers, there'll be more rationalisation. But the industry itself will still be around.
1: Uh, there's been a lot of talk, as you know, about Amazon coming to Australia. And I guess for you and the book publishing industry, it's like, well, big deal. You've been working with and dealing with Amazon from the start.
0: Well, we haven't been dealing with Amazon in Australia. Right. But the Amazon is going to be a real challenge for a number of uh, retailers in particular in Australia. Um, just to give a background, so Amazon in the US and the UK represents about 50% of publishers' business. Wow. Um, if not more, across e-books and and physical books. In Australia, it represents zero of our business because they're not here in Australia. They don't buy any of our books in Australia. So we're fortunate in some respects because we've got so many other retailers to play with in this market and none of them have a dominant share. So Amazon's share... You know, so we'll see what happens when Amazon arrive and see what sort of market share that they they take from here. So that'll be yeah, that'll be an interesting thing. Where my view is that they will take some share, but not they won't be as dominant as they are as the US and the UK, sure. mainly because people have been established here for a long time. There are a number of online players here already who have a good market share. Um, they will lose some of their market share to Amazon, but I can't see Amazon taking on. 50% of the market as they do mm. in the US, US and UK. Um, they will take some market share and they will they will damage um, some of the retailers. They will hurt some of the retailers, uh, some of the bricks and mortar retailers. And I think we're going to see a decline in the number of bricks and mortar stores that we've got in Australia, as is as seen in the US. I don't think it'll Which be has as. Already se- it's already happened. It's already happened. I don't think it'll be as severe as it, it was in the US and the UK. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being, you know wearing rose coloured glasses, but I don't that's think a, it'll n- be... that's
1: not like you, Jim.
0: <laughs> no, it's not like me, Mr. <laughs> Pessimist. No. <laughs> not like uh,
1: it's interesting you say that, that Amazon what are they doing right? You talk and we're talking strictly in the book publishing yep. field here. What are they doing right that they have since they were established, I think what, nineteen ninety five or thereabouts? Yeah, ninety five, so yeah. What have they what have <laughs> they done right? That they've managed to grab 50% of this massive
0: market. What they've done, what they've done right, is they've they've taken the consumer as the as the centrepiece. Everything is about the consumer and their customer, and to deliver value and service to that consumer, they've always had that at their centre of their business is the consumer, and they've been able to just create this wonderful circuitous loop of providing providing service, quality, um, and price to that consumer. And it's been able to generate this great loop of getting customers back again and again. And the whole Prime, using Prime was a sort of a master stroke um, from Bezos to, just to help create that loop and bring customers back again and Are again you? and again. And they were able to also, you know, their business model was we weren't going to make a lot of money for a long time, but we create this, this loop and we'll get customers back again and again and again.
1: These customer relationships. It's amazing. Can you expand a bit on what Prime is, please?
0: So Prime in the US is a service, people uh, subscribe to the service, it's $99 a year in the US, and it guarantees customers two-day delivery, free delivery of anything that they buy from Amazon. So you don't pay a fee for delivery every time you buy something, so you pay the subscription fee, and they guarantee two days delivery in the US. Now, whether they do that in Australia or not, wait—we'll wait to see. They can't do that from day one. They'll be here at the end of the year or early next year. Um, we've been talking to them already about setting up in Australia, and whether they whether they introduce Prime initially or not, I'm not sure. They won't—they won't let me. They won't tell us about that or right. not.
1: I've got friends in the states, and they say um, that they buy everything through mm-hmm. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Everything from razor blades, toilet paper, groceries, yep. everything. And it I guess to that extent, and I've read the stats, and I'm not sure specifically, um, having said I've read the stats, but uh, it does make up a substantial, not certainly far from a majority, but certainly a substantial share of the retail sales, overall retail sales in the US. Oh, it's massive.
0: It's massive. And 60% of... Um people in the states have prime memberships the households have prime mem- membership that's a massive there's more people have prime membership in the u.s than have a landline at home wow that's how how big it is and they and they took the concept from costco who have that membership concept to bring people back again and again yeah. so no it's a great driver for them
1: so i think we're going to have marketers listening to us today jim who are going to say well, that's Amazon, they're a gazillion, billion dollar organization, how does it work for us? Because we've got this this product that's been around for 20 years, 50 years, whatever it is, and a brand that's, that's maybe not as relevant as it once was. Perhaps we as marketers, and even beyond being a digital marketer, we as marketers can learn from Amazon's example and say if we focus on the customer, the consumer, the customer, whatever it is, and put them at the centre of every decision we make and give them the best possible service that we can, that really gives us the longevity.
0: I think so. I think it's true. Yeah, absolutely. If you're focused about the consumer and everything that you do is focused towards the customer, I think absolutely. And again, if you can create that, it depends on, on, the, on, the, on the product that, you, that you're selling, but if it's FMCG, if you create that, again, that cycle of people coming back again and again and again, to your type, to your product, and you can increase that 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 um, that group set that's that's buying your product because you're able to just make sure that they're getting what they want. They get the service. They get the quality. They get the, the price right. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think we can learn a lot from what what Amazon have done.
1: And it's a real shame, I think, that a lot of marketers have not taken that on board. And, and we're both former FMCG brand marketers, so. I certainly I get all misty when I go into a supermarket because I see, well, what, I know what they're doing here in the shelf positioning, all that sort of stuff. And we saw in recent times that Woolworths has d- deleted several Mount Franklin lines yeah. and they've stocked it with their own brands or cheaper brands because water is water, if you will. And the frustration I have with a lot of FMCG marketers is that they don't get exactly what you've just said.
0: Well, and there's a, there's a huge threat to FMCG, big brand, I think, coming, coming. Particularly if you look at the Amazon Amazon um, examples, where they're now they control so much of the retail dollar, mm. and they can direct you on what you want to buy, particularly on generic generic lines. And I think we're seeing that here too with the likes of Woolworths and Coles with their home brands. The premium house brands. So you need to really establish that value proposition for your product to to cut through the through the retailers being able to dictate you know who's buying what they what their consumers are their customers buying so if you can create that value then you can you know in some respects turn around move around what's the retailer where the retailer is directing their their customers to buy, to buy things you know and, and i think it's even more more important these days where you can absolutely you need customers to come in and to request your brand and not be sort of directed to buy sort of a home brand or a or an amazon brand or a you know a costco brand
1: it goes back to who owns the customer and yeah. at the
0: moment yeah if you're if
1: you're selling uh barbecue sauce or or bread coles owns the customer yep. or Woolworths owns the customer or iag or iga i should say yep. and it's a great weakness in the fmcg marketer uh, manufacturing model and that's why and, and listens to this podcast will know that it's it is one of my bugbears because it's something that i I always look at fmcg and just say why aren't they doing it They're, they're amongst the biggest advertisers in australia in around the world for that matter but they're not forming those direct customer relationships consumer relationships
0: well and that and that's and that's was the same situation with book publishing it's the same we're in the same situation where we use intermediaries we use booksellers we use discount department stores we use online guys um and we didn't own that relationship, and it's what digital provided us with that opportunity to to create a direct relationship with our readers, and that was the that was the big um, I think prize with digital when digital sort of came along maybe you know, 15 years ago, particularly from from publishing point of view that ability to create that direct relationship, because we didn't have that direct relationship. It was with the likes of Borders and Angus and Robertson and Dimex own that relationship with the customer. Um, so digital gives us that, that's, that's, the, that's the prize, that's the opportunity with digital, um, which sounds wonderful, which sounds fantastic, but how do you then convert that? That's the challenge, um, is, is creating that relationship and keeping it going.
1: And I guess the challenge you have, Jim, is that the uh, people have a relationship with Alan and Unwin? You'd probably say no.
0: They don't. They 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 don't. They and this again, I think for any entertainment business, you know, like books or music or or film, people are buying the product. They're buying the author. They're buying. You know, they're not buying Alan and Unwin. They don't right. buy a book because it has Alan and Unwin on the spine. Um, there's very few brands in publishing that sort of have that that clout. You know, penguin classics probably does and that's about it um or DK, or lonely planet but there's very few examples of that so yeah so they're not buying into alan and unwin um they will come to our facebook page and they'll come to you know and they'll engage with us but they're wanting information about products about bad authors um and the other the other line of who owns the reader is our authors also have their own online presence um, so we're sort of in some respects we're 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 working with our authors when we're promoting their books with them and their own audience. Um, so yeah, so it's it's a, it's a it's an opportunity, it's 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 sort of it's it's a really good way of of getting to our, our readers without having to have our intermediaries control the relationship. But there's huge challenges involved in that. Um, and a lot of that's about a lot of that's about this is about the about the noise about the channels that we use it's about how much people are, are engaging it's about the message that you send through the through through social it's about the fact that we again we're not brand um, we're not pushing a brand as such we're selling you know we're selling books and we sell 20 new books a month and each month we're trying, we're going to do a new thing. So we don't have the time to build that brand all the time each month, as sort of the big FMCG companies do. So it's about getting the message about that book, that that author, out there quickly, um, without being too um, too aggressive on the sales pitch because you know that, that turns people off. So we have to be. It's all about you know the type of message that we send in the different channels that we use.
1: So twenty new titles a month. So anyone sitting sitting at home or in their offices or in their car listening to this podcast and thinking I've been I've got to market this uh, this brand that's been on the market for X years consider Jim and his team and the challenges they have they've got twenty new brands a month that you've got to market
0: absolutely yeah absolutely so so the way we do that you now some of these brands some of these titles are big you know uh, uh, where we have you know, major social media campaigns and we've got big authors that have their own their own platform, they have their own community that we can tap into, which is good. And then we've got a number of titles, which, you know, probably, you know, 10 titles a month where the audience is smaller, the authors don't have any social profiles, so we're not using them. But what we're doing is we're tapping into our community that we're trying to build up. We're trying to build in a reading community. We know that readers, you know, readers will, they'll, they'll, they'll obviously spend, you know, a lot of time on online searching for new books. And they'll use Google for search. You know, 80% of them use Google. We know half of them use social to discover and find new books and research new books. These
1: stats are based on on quantitative research you've done? It is, yeah,
0: it is. We went out and and surveyed about uh, 3,000 people who read at least one book a month. Wow, okay. Um, And that came back with, yeah, they use 50% of them use social um, to discover and to research books new books and 80% use Google 80% use Google to, yeah. which I guess that. reflects just general Everyone, consumer yeah, to anyway. yeah. search
1: so you talked about challenges huge challenges for the industry what are the the challenges and opportunities overall in the publishing industry we know about the challenges that, that uh, different you, you touched on that a bit but what are the opportunities do you feel for the overall publishing industry
0: in social in across the board across the board a, go back to that 20 years as the we, business yeah
1: Holy and I guess in co- taking the digital changes into account as well
0: I think the opportunities like I'm the, is to orient the business towards digital as a total business and I'm not just being social or it's about making sure that everything that we do helps us in the digital world from you know SEO, helping us with SEO. You know having it proper metadata. Then that flows through to working with retailers to allow our books to be more prominent on their sites, to the social, and then to to expand. I suppose our social our social platforms. I suppose it's, so. So having everyone in the organisation geared towards those things. I think that's an opportunity there because at the moment you know, we're talking about an industry which is quite traditional it's been around for a long time it's a mature industry we don't have a, not a lot of new people coming into the business so it's not it's not hugely dynamic in that respect in terms of just turnover of staff and new blood coming through so if we can so there are so so there are some limitations in and roadblocks in in moving towards sort of a total digital framework so those companies that do have that well, I think there's an opportunity there for, for companies who do a total digital framework and again, have the consumer at the at the centre, and have everything orientated towards that consumer through through digital through digital digital platforms and and digital content. I think there's an opportunity there. For, for that, that's sort of for a start. And that also then moves into what sort of publishing that you will that you will create. You know, in the last five years in particular, we've seen a lot of publishing orientated towards people. Publishing people who have huge media and social media profiles. And that's an opportunity that people, that publishers have really hooked into. Brilliant. So people who have great social media networks. People online who online. have platforms, as you say. Have big platforms. You know, yeah. there's a good example of that is there's a fitness guru out of, um, out of Adelaide, a young girl called Kayla at She's got 6.2 million people wow. on her YouTube channel. So she's already, already got a platform built yeah. there. So I think, you know, and publishers have, have seen that as a way of acquiring content.
1: Jim, you've completely blown this, uh, this discussion out of the water because when we first spoke you said, oh, I'm not, I don't think I'd be very good because I'm a bit cynical, I'm not a big fan of digital, blah, blah, blah. You, you've got all the terminology, you've got the jargon going on there, old boy. What's the story?
0: Uh, you, employ, you've got to employ, you, you employ a lot of young people <laughs> that infect
1: that you. But you sound like the point is, and one of the questions I was going to ask is: uh, is there across-the-board support within Allen and Unwin for digital initiatives? It sounds like there's support from you.
0: There is. There is support, absolutely. I think again because we know our consumers, our you know readers in particular, they're there. They're on the platform. They're you know, as so they're discovering stuff. They're they're researching books online. So you've got to be there. You've got to be there. You know, if I show any cynicism, it's about knowing how effective what we do is in those platforms. Like it's, I find it difficult to have a straight measure of we do this, I come from, you know, I'm responsible for revenue for the business. So it's about, does it affect sales? Like, will I get a sales result out of it? That's my measurement. People use other measures. There's so many other measures that you can use in digital um, and they're important. But for me, ultimately it's about the sales and does it generate does what our digital you know activity social activity in particular generate extra sales do
1: you use the same measurement for other forms of marketing expenditure
0: i don't, well again i use my measurement is sales you know if we do an outdoor advertising campaign i will want to measure that and i'll, you know, and I'll and I'll compare it with a previous campaign that we've done in a similar sort of way and measure the sales result there. Is it effective? Is it can we can we point to a, a cause and effect relationship? No, it's always been it, marketers I've always fifty percent of my budget. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, we can always, you know, point to the fact that we don't know how effective our marketing campaigns are. And because we don't sell directly, we sell we use intermediaries like the FMCG guys, you know. You can we don't close the loop in our in our promotional campaigns, we don't sell directly to consumers, so I can't say I've done that. You know that social media campaign, or I've done that posting, I've done that. You know that ad, and I've directed people to buy my book on my site, and then then I can I can measure it. We don't do that. We're not we don't we sell a little bit off our website, but it's not our primary okay. way of sales.
1: So, what percentage of your marketing budget would be dedicated to digital, both from content marketing, staff
0: paid? I'd say overall now it's about thirty percent. Thirty percent of our uh, of our promotional. Um, That's a lot
1: of money for uh, yeah. with the, with, when the boss is not particularly sold on the fact that uh, they're selling. They're not, they're not. You're not selling X. You're not spending X to get X plus Y. No,
0: it is. A, it's, a, it's a big part of our, our it's budget. A bit,
1: white, white knuckle stuff, I'd say, Jim.
0: <laughs> I don't know about. I don't know about that. But it's it's again we we need to be there. Yeah, you know, we need to be there because our readers are there, but also there's an expectation from our authors um, that we're engaged, and that we can leverage their communities. Um, and a, a big part of what we do is is leveraging, and 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 really we've got to amplify the message that they're sending. So we're you know we're trying to 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 use their their platforms and their social media. Audiences to to um, to expand the message when they have a new book out, so we've got to be there. So we can't just we can't ignore it. Um, sometimes I'd like to, but I, <laughs> you know, but I, because it's so it gets so confusing and it's so there's so much jargon that goes it's flown around, and you know, uh, BS
1: baffles brains.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a, there's just the language is just you know it's great it, it, invented by marketers and digital digital strategy companies to, to you know, to make sure that, that people you know to, to to cut I suppose to, to educate people about what, what's going on. Damn
1: those digital strategy companies. Oh, man, Can man. you believe it? <laughs> Come the revolution. Anyway, so I just wanna g I just want to chunk down a little bit when it comes to your obviously your partners, you're you're going through an yep. intermediary model. They too have their own digital platforms, oh, channels. Abso- absolutely. So in a way you're kind of diluting your ability to sheet home to the fact that I sent out an email to our audience or the fact that, that booktopia sent out an email or put a post on or did an author interview those types yep. of things yep. with a video and a whole range of different knock-on effects so i'm really trying from a from a prescriptive point of view to understand speaking to a senior sales and marketing person who's looking at who is responsible for revenue for an established organization how can we delineate, or how can we, A, say that digital, you're not sure about the results that digital delivers, and B, yeah, obviously you've said your readers, your, your um, authors expect this, and that's fine, but why would I, as a marketing director, listening to this podcast, say, well, he's spending 30% of his marketing budget and he still doesn't know whether he's going to get anything, but working in with your intermediaries and yourselves and your authors can't you at least get some type of sense that you are getting a return from digital?
0: On certain books, we can. On certain books, we get a sense, and I can measure it. So, but overall, it's really difficult to, to do that. Like, it would be easy for me to say, yeah, absolutely, we get a sense for it, and we know what, you know, what we get out of it. But I just, I just don't have that confidence that we do, we do that. But we do... But again, as I said, we, we need to be there... Um, now there is, you know, there is a level of engagement that we get from our, our readers um, that is measurable in certain respects, but it's not measurable by sales. Like I, I, I come back to, does it sell any more books? And I don't, you know, I don't get that sense every time we do a social media campaign that that's happening for whatever reason.
1: You've got a marketing director listening to this podcast, listening to you, and saying, "I'm. Thi- I was thinking of Does getting you know into got- into digital with my team because they keep saying we've got to do it." And listening to this guy at Allen and Unwood and he's got, he's spending thirty percent of his bucks, and he's not sure he's getting a return. Why would I bother? What would you say to him or her?
0: I, I I would say to them that you should you need to be you need to be there. One, you need to be involved. Secondly, you need to make sure that what you are you have to be really clear what your objectives are, what are you trying to achieve by it. Have really clear goals on what you want to achieve. Now that may not just be about sales, it might be different metrics that you want to use or whatever language you want to use. Um, So I think, you know, that's clear and you need to uh, really good measurement tools. You know, you need to have really good dashboards to work out, okay, this is what I'm trying to achieve, I'll be able to measure it. And that and then, you know, you can over time, you know, work out I've done this, this is this is the result that I've had based on my on, on what I'm trying to achieve. And so that's why dashboards are really important. And then you can change your, you know, your approach accordingly to you know to affect what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve. I would say that's what you do, that's how you go about it. You can't again walk away from it. It's a fact of life and because the traditional media is declining in its in its um, effectiveness, you know, you're looking at spending, you know, you've got to spend your money somewhere. And so digital, you know, digital allows you to to sort of get to an audience, whether it's effective or not, depends on what you're trying to achieve.
1: Well, to that point, you've got to spend your money in digital. And I think this is another subject that those organisations and executives who have made that decision and made that leap and said, okay, we get it. We do need to be, we need to be investing in digital. The next question is where, how, and how much?
0: All right. Okay. And that's where... I found that it's really it's a it's really hard to navigate all of that because unless and that's why you need to bring people in the organisation a digital strategy company Jim. a digital well a digi- and you know and I get I would get a call once a week from a digital strategy company wanting to to do our business and which is which is fine there's lots of them out there um, a good one is corporate digital marketing with tick yeah, yes tick yes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm with Peter he said that not me <laughs> <laughs> so I think it is, it's yeah. So where where that happens because and the landscape changes The thing about digital, which is different, the landscape changes all the time. It's really you, you need to be on top of it all the time. That so so you either do that by employing people that exclusively are on social or, or digital, and that can continue to be updated and and informed and educated about what's going on, or you bring in digital agencies that you can trust and that's really important (laughs) and then that you can trust to keep you up to date with what's going on so in terms of your answer about where do you go what you do it's you know it's it's difficult unless you've got the right people in place to 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 sort of help you navigate that because it it is quite difficult it is a difficult thing to navigate there's just so much happening in so many different areas and the and the platforms change and there's new platforms coming on board and you know Facebook changes their algorithm Google changes their algorithm you need to not know that and what effect that then has on what you're trying to do because we you know we had to change our entire Facebook strategy because Facebook changed our algorithm but um, if you don't know that was happening then you could just go merrily along doing stuff that's really not going to work and really wasting money <laughs> and really wasting money yeah so what organizations do you think do digital
1: effectively?
0: I think some of the retailers do it well. I think and you know, we mentioned Amazon earlier. I think they do it well. They have an advantage because they can again close the loop and they've, you know, they've got a, a good way of getting to consumers. Um, they've got a huge database. But I think other manufacturers or other, other organizations, I think people like um, film companies have a, do a great with digital and social. Uh, people like you know Fox Home Entertainment and they have the advantage that they have the content they've got great content you know they've got film they' you know, blockbuster movies and videos such are really you know getting more and more important online I think for social so they got great so they have an advantage and they do it really well and people want to know what the next blockbuster is they want to know what the next big movie is so but they have that advantage there um, you know I think even I think you know talking about social my local pizza shop has you know they have really got into it in a great way they've got this little community they they work it really well it's only small but jesus they're active and they're always busy and they've got good product but they've got really good engagement with their little community so i think you know from a small you know small little level they can work really well
1: and do you think they have uh Made more money from the Demetrio household as a result. Absolutely, of it. No, oh, you I go. get
0: my, you know, it's your birthday, Jim email from them <laughs> once right. a year. But uh, they engage really well. Uh, you know, they've done it. They've got a nice, a nice tone. They've got good language. I think it's, you know, it's it's at the right level. But uh, that's a, that's a small level. I think in terms of publishing, I don't think there's anyone in Australia doing it that well. Um, well, we do it as as good as anyone else. Publishing you know, is is tough. I don't think anyone worldwide in publishing is doing a great. Job. There's a couple of specialist companies. One called Open Road in the U.S., which is their business is totally digital, totally e, from day one. Um, and they, from day one, established. They've been around for about I don't know eight years now. They've established a really good following online, good social, great email database, um, segmented their market really well. So they're I think I think for publishing they're sort of the leader in in social and digital marketing. And they're growing. They're, they're not growing, they're not, they're not growing. They're selling they're, they're, anything, but they're doing digital. No, they're, really they're selling that. okay. The problem they have is they sell eBooks only. Right. And they, they, their business started was they, they acquired a lot of old eBook rights. You've got to remember eBooks have only been around for about 15 years. Before that people, authors didn't have eBooks within their contracts. Right. So there was no contract. There was no ebook rights in their contracts, and so this company was set up to buy all those rights from old books, what we call backlist right. old books. Now that's that's all stopped now. There's no. There's not They've got everything that they can acquire, and people aren't just publishing ebooks for them. So and the rest
1: of the industry is caught up, and they've cottoned
0: on. Yeah, and they're and they're getting ebook rights with when they buy new books. So that's not. So they're they they're they're starved of. But what they're doing now, which is interesting, is they're selling their service to other publishers. So I've got established this fantastic um, network of, of, of readers, and now you can tap into my network for a fee. Okay.
1: Final question, Jim, and I've loved this discussion. I could speak for another couple of hours, but we're all busy, and particularly the people who are listening to us. So what are the top three tips you would give other marketers who are interested in succeeding in digital? And 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 I guess from your point of view, what advice would you give senior managers like yourselves as well? Mm.
0: Senior okay, From a senior management point of view, I think what, what I would suggest, again, is get uh, good people around you, um, employed people who... Have the knowledge you're up to uh, up to date, and that you can trust. And if you can't afford people that, that can do that, then you do need to go outside. If you want to engage in digital, you need you need some expertise, and you either bring that in. You know, you employ people with that expertise that you can trust, or you bring you know consultants in that again that you can trust. I, I'd also say that you need to have really. Good goals. I is think that a supplies.
1: metaphor? Is that siren a metaphor for what we're talking <laughs> <Good about>? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe it's the. We should get the hell out of here. <laughs> the building's uh, on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- the other thing is that uh, even from a senior manager point of view, set the set the goals. You know, what do you want to achieve? Is it it's, if it's a pure sales thing, or is it just about getting more engagement, or is it about getting more likes, or you know, whatever? You gotta have a really clear understanding of what you want to achieve, and I think you need. You need support in being able to measure that and be able to determine that. Um, that's why you need good people that understand understand the industry and understand social in particular. And, and I think you need good measurement techniques and you've got to be on it and, it, and, and understand that things are going to change. It'll change and it'll change in two months' time, in, in a year's time, in five years' time. Now, it's continually evolving. So you have to, yeah, you have to understand that. No, again, for the, ma- for a, from a senior management point of view, you do need the entire business sort of behind it as well. If you just have one marketing guy, just doing a bit of social on the side, I think it's a waste of time. You need to have much more of a sort of uh, a buy-in from, from the business in that, if it's going to work, if it's going to work properly, you need a buy-in from the business. Great.
1: Well, that's been fantastic, Jim. Thank you so much. It's, uh, we're, we're up to a, over 37 minutes of our discussion now and as I say I think we could, could be speaking for another few hours so thank you again so much for your time it's
0: been my pleasure Peter
1: it's been it really is publishing really is it's almost like the canary in the coal mine for, for <laughs> a lot of other industries and organizations to work out what's happening with digital I guess you probably digital's probably up there with uh, music publishing the music industry I think so when I it think comes so. to d- digital disruption yeah we
0: have a, you know similar challenges as as music Absolutely. Okay. Well,
1: Jim Demetrio, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. So there you have it. A very interesting perspective on digital marketing from an organization that in a way has been dragged kicking and screaming to the table by virtue of the fact that uh, not just the market is telling it to do that, but it's the suppliers, the authors, if you will, uh, are saying that they have to have their own relationships as well. But there you are sitting in your, uh, your brand marketing box. Do you, like Jim and his team, have to launch 20 new brands and books are brands, 20 new brands every month? Imagine that, 200 plus new brands a year. That's a bit of a challenge and that's why digital I think is such a great platform and opportunity and that's why I think working with smart, integrated digital marketing strategies is a great way to achieve your objectives, not just putting out a Facebook post or putting up some photos on Instagram. It's like, how can we integrate this with our supply partners, both our authors and also the book retailers? But also, how can we create a brand recognition? For example, in, in Jim's case with Alan and Unwin, and we as the readers are not necessarily going to have much name or brand recognition, nor are we going to care who the publisher is, but we certainly will care about who the authors they are, publishing who they are. Anyway, that's it for another episode of the Corporate Digital Marketing Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and joining in. Um, As always, we would love to have any feedback from you, to hear any uh, thoughts you have, any requests for people we should speak to, and we will speak to you very soon. Bye-bye.
0: You just listened to the Corporate Digital Marketing Podcast. If you have any suggestions
1: about what you'd like us to talk about in future podcasts, Email us at info at tickyes.com. For the transcript, links from this
0: episode and other information, go to www.tickyes.com and click on the podcast link. Have a great digital day.